Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. This week we have our first ever repeat guest on, Joe Urban from Take This to Heart Records. Joe, how are you doing today? I am well. How are you doing today? Good. Just had a wonderful lunch and it's already really hot in my room. So <laughs> we'll see how long we can make this podcast last. But I wanted to have you back on because I know since you were on earlier this year, you've had a few releases that you've been working on at the label and you know you have some cool stuff coming up for 2017. So why don't we start with, you know, what releases have come out since you were last on? I know at the time you were working on the Other Stars release. Yeah, I I was really stoked on that. That came out April 29th on a, you know, vinyl CD cassette. We did the cassette with our friends at Nearmint fantastic company they're really yeah. cool check them out and then we put out a safe face record a band from new jersey uh and we're about to put out the new fossil youth full length which i'm very very proud of how, how that came out both um from uh just a record sonically and from a promotional standpoint yeah and that's out november 4th right the new fossil youth yes it is okay cool so everyone should be getting this podcast November 3rd. So right in time for that release to come out. And, you know, we just had Scotty on the podcast to talk all about the Fossil Youth record. So if you guys haven't listened to that, I definitely recommend checking out that episode. And I pre-ordered it for sure, because, you know, you kindly let me listen to it ahead of time. And it's a really great record, and I think it's one that has the potential to end up on a lot of end-of-the-year lists and that sort of thing. And it's really cool to kind of see how these bands have progressed, because I know you have a few where, you know, you work with them on their first release or two, and then sometimes they'll go on to slightly larger labels because, you know, they've kind of almost outgrown Take This to Heart, but... What is your sort of approach to always keeping these new bands rotating through the label, even when you have some that move on to bigger labels? I mean, uh, I guess it's not really. It's a, always a rotating, revolving, like moving plan. I think the Foss Youth album did so well is because I got to grow with the band and the band got to grow with me. We did a split EP into Fulling. So as I'm increasing my reach and the people I'm hit and being able to get in contact with and hit up, they're also putting out bigger releases, which call for bigger promo campaigns. And it, it reaches more people from an organic standpoint, right. as opposed to just getting a brand new band and trying to throw them into like my infrastructure of who, who listens to my stuff. So I would, the fossil youth, it was just really easy to kind of, pick who to who i'm going to work with on premieres or how we're going to get press where we're, you know you know as far as just digital and print and everything um i just really yeah really proud how that came out and a lot of cool stuff come coming uh next week next week and the week after that from them nice and you're basically a one-man army over at take this to heart have you found yourself, you know, just sort of trying to do everything on your own because that's really the only way you can sort of afford to do this right now? Or do you just like doing, you know, 
every aspect of a label's job, basically? Do you like, you know, handling merch, doing the press and, you know, making sure your bands are all set up to record? Or is it more out of necessity that you do everything yourself? I mean, we work with uh, some bands have managers on the label. Some bands have agents. And okay. it's always it happens sometimes a lot of a lot of people involved make it harder to communicate or harder to get. I guess my idea across because everyone wants to just really have a say in what goes on. And I'm never right all the time and neither is everyone else. So right. it's fun to group think and feel where a band's going to go. And, and when, with a Fossil Youth album, we also got to do just, it was just me and Scotty kind of prodding and planning and as far as what to do just promotional wise. And, and like a band like the other stars who have an agent and a manager uh, their manager Christian was awesome work with. They hooked, you know, we hooked them up with a Ravy for PR, so I didn't have to handle anything, which I find to be really good when I have a lot of bands, because I can't always do the same type of PR campaign for one band that I do for the other right. if they're coming out around the same time. Because I can't tell, hey, like, like I can't tell Deanna, hey, Deanna, can you write about this band, this band, this band, this band? But they're all and give them all features because they're all coming out next one. It's not going to really happen like that. Right. And is Raby just doing the other stars or do you have Raby doing, you know, a handful of the bands on your label? No, uh, Raby is just doing the other stars. And I guess they're really they're kind of their publicist for who who knows how long. They're a fantastic company. Right. And it's pleasure. Those guys are really good they did all the new take max sunday press which is fantastic yeah and so for fossil youth did you do press yourself for this release yep i i just uh did it about three months in advance started getting feelers figuring out where to go just having the record in hand which is another great thing about the band a lot of bands want to rush things out right and that's never it's never me good i if I'm going to do a good press job. You're going to need a minimum like two and a half, three months in advance, the record, the art, your press releases, everything done to even really grasp that where, where the band can be in the press world. Yeah. And, you know, I've tried to tell bands that on my label and even, you know, I have a couple of people who have hired me for press, but they've done so after they've released their record. So it's like at that point, I'm kind of just trying to get them interviews and, you know, kind of whatever we can scrounge up because when your release is already out, it's a lot harder to kind of get it any traction because, you know, people are like, all right, well, it's already out. So what are we even building up to? And even with one artist I was working with, Ancestors Index, he had everything ready ahead of time. And, you know, I did get a premiere over at 36 Vultures and I hit up some other people and he did, you know, interviews with his local paper and whatnot. But because he was a, you know, one person band and it was his first release, even something like that is hard to get traction with because nobody knows who you are. So, I feel like, you know, even just getting a couple of things up on 36 Vultures, that at least gives us something to build with for the next release because it's like, hey, look, you know, these people here really enjoyed the record. You guys should check it out. And, you know, with with Fossil Youth, you mentioned you guys got to grow together. And I think 
that's something that's really helpful, especially with the label, because with mine, it's like I've done one release with the bands and then they've either broken up or, you know, just decided they weren't sure where they wanted to go with their music. So that makes it a little harder because, you know, I want to keep working with the same bands, but I'm not going to force bands, you know, to keep working with me, like have them sign three record contracts or whatever. It's just kind of a one release with an option if you guys want to stay on. But for you, do you find it's easier to keep the same bands on your label and work with those bands for a few releases? And how many bands do you actually have on the label right now? Um, I enjoy doing uh, build, building up to full lengths or doing full lengths. I haven't got to do too many full lengths. Right. It, it's all. It's always about just getting the band in the right place to get the most people to hear them. And right now on the label, uh, I guess. I mean, are you talking about under contract? Are you talking about just who I'm currently promoting? Just in general, like who would you say? How many bands would you say are on your? roster right now whether or not you do official contracts with everyone aside um i guess uh sundressed other stars safe face locket i don't want to forget someone fossil youth then deadlies i'm like looking around my office <laughs> and i think that's that's kind of just the main active roster right so you have about six bands and you know i feel like with you, you always seem to be busy working on something. Whereas with me, it's like I really only kind of sort of have one active artist on my label. So it's like I'm at the point where I want to start looking for, you know, maybe three or four new bands and see where they are as far as the various stages of getting a release ready. Because for me, I started this label because I wanted to help bands out and you know, with you, yours has grown to something where you could do vinyl, and I could really only hope one day that's where record records can go. But I feel like sometimes, you know, I think we mentioned this a little bit in the previous podcast we did together, but when it's a one-person label, especially someone like me who right now does not have a job, so I can't afford to pay for these bands to record, they would have to pay for that on their own. I feel like when some of these smaller bands, you know, see an email from, you know, Deanna at RecketRecords.com, they're like, oh, hey, this is, you know, official, super legit, they must have a ton of money sort of thing. And it's sometimes really hard to explain to bands that that's not the case. And then it gets even harder to then convince them to still work with you, even though you're only one person doing everything. Do you find that to be the case with you or have you had a pretty easy time? getting bands to believe in what you're doing for them. I, I definitely think most, if not every artist that's been on kind of understands that I'm putting all my effort, all, all the money I can in, into uh, each release. And I guess it's really about effort. You know, doing vinyl is cost thousands of dollars. So, right. and recording, we, you know, we've done, you know, merchandise for bands, like exclusive shirts, like pre-orders, like any release could cost from, you know, two to seven grand to do. So you're getting in the hole pretty big. And I want to say that when I give them a vision of where I see their band now and where I see their band in the future, in 
kind of draw it out. Like, all right, 18 month plan. How do we get from point A to point B? We're musically, we need this. Um, touring wise, we need to have you do that. And if they they're kind of with me, then they're with me. Right. Like with Fossil Youth, they're constantly on the road. We're constantly building what they're doing visually. They're professional um, on a sh- on a show level and performance wise, they're very professional. They take everything they do seriously. If you want to make a band your job, you need to treat it like a job. You can really work on a, a band or a label 24 hours a day and never get what you want accomplished accomplished. It need, it's always a journey. It's never a, a goal per se. You Right. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you work with bands that actively want to tour and go out and be on the road, whereas the bands I worked with so far, it's been the complete opposite. It's like, you know, they'll play weekend shows, but they won't get out and go do a tour, even if it were something, you know, as simple as hitting up, you know, Arizona, Vegas, Northern California, even maybe go up to Portland or Seattle, you know, the bands I work with, they don't have the time or don't want to take the time to kind of go on those tours. And I feel like when you have a new release and you don't tour, that's really going to hurt the release because you're not getting out there and you're not you know, playing it to new fans, you're sort of just sticking to your area and playing to the same people you've played to before. Yeah, build, building a fan base is huge. And, uh, you know, and, and actually some agents, if you get a bigger agent, some agents don't want you to do small shows, which is really weird to me. And I've kind of just really dealt with that, you know, lately in a new way. Right. But you can... I, I guess the goal is to kind of do as much as you can online and, and build your hometown, which you should be able to draw a hundred people in your hometown. Right. I, w- I would hope. Yeah. And I mean, the bands I've been working with recently, you know, Southern California is such a big area that you could play a show in LA and play a show in Orange County and get completely different people at each show. Because if, some people in Orange County are like me. They're not going to necessarily want to always drive to LA to go to shows. So I think, you know, here sometimes it's a little harder just because of the density of bands between LA and Orange County that you can get and between all of the competing shows each night too. Because, you know, when people think of LA shows, they probably think of, you know, the Roxy, Whiskey A Go Go, and some of those mid-sized to larger venues and they're not even factoring in all of the local bands that are playing all of the small bars and venues every night between LA and Orange County so it's just like here you have so many different competing shows I feel like if you really want to grow your fan base you have to play shows elsewhere you can't just only play here it's very true just you know extending extending your reach is got to happen from uh, the band standpoint and the show department, and it's got to happen extending through uh, just internet uh, promotion. You right. can do, I guess, you can try try to do as much as you can without spending any money. Yeah, and for you, do you help the bands schedule tours and shows in general, or do you kind of leave that to the band? to do that when, you know, they all know they're going to be free and can tour on their own time. 
a lot of the bands are very proactive about that. Like a band like Safe Face who books all their own shows. They, they, uh, they're very DIY. They just go to the grindstone and just, and do it. My, my job is kind of just to get, get, give me those tour dates as far as we can advance. Let's do, you know, uh, premiere with something let's get the dates out might you know let's do local press let's try to set up live sessions on the tour let's try to just do some interviews on this tour college radio what's available and just kind of be on the game on like on the heads up of where they're where they're going to be yeah and it's funny since we've last talked you know i've seen sundressed at program i'll be seeing fossil youth at program and safe face actually played the judd cody limon record release show when he released his EP through my label. So it's kind of cool to see a bunch of the bands you're working with come here and, you know, get these nice crowds going for them. Because, you know, when Sundressed played at program, I've actually seen them twice there now. You know, there were pretty big crowds. And I believe the more recent show they played with Daisy Head. So it's like, you know, you don't have to play the Roxy or the whiskey a go go or you know these big theater venues to kind of build your fan base in these areas that you're not from i know sundrest is what from arizona right yes so they have a little more ease of getting fans to shows in california but you know when save face played in pomona people really dug them and it's just cool to kind of see bands on your label come here because for me you know it's like i've liked a lot of these philly bands that would play house shows at my friend's houses when i was going to drexel but it's like some of those bands are never going to make it out here so it's always cool to sort of see that when you've been listening to these bands that are from you know the midwest or the east coast and even though they're smaller bands they can still come out here and get people out to their shows yeah Fossil Youth is gonna. People are hyped on that band. They're playing. They're probably gonna sell out um, Arizona with Sundress. Obviously, Sundress is gonna headline, and they're from Arizona. But they'll they'll sell that out. They'll play. Um, they're playing program skate. Um, I think actually the Valley News is that near you? What like one of your newspapers there is covering that show? Oh, okay. One of like the real you know typical newspapers is really stoked on the album and. It was surprising to get an email from them that they want to cover it. Yeah, and that's actually something I want to mention really quick, too. When you're doing press for these bands and emailing about these college radio sessions and everything, do you find it's really hard to sort of get a hold of people? But then once you do, it's sort of like you've made these contacts and you know you can keep coming back to them because I know, you know, I have quite a few contacts at say substream now that under the gun closed its doors so it's like you know i had contacts at these two different places and then now i have like four contacts at substream and it's like you know something like that only does you so much good because you don't want to pitch the same thing to four different people and then have you know leave them sorting it out on their end so do you kind of just keep emailing people until you get some sort of response for them or if you don't hear back do you kind of just let it be and then come back to them the next press round i i kind of do a rule of thumb of you know sending 
I have I have a mailer that for just typical you know blast press releases where yeah. people will cover it. It'll give it'll give people a taste of the album. It'll give people just the basic information of what's happening, and that goes to you know a thousand people. But I for doing any type of premiere or something that's directly to that site. I'm going to email the individual person, a personal, you know, a personal uh, email. And then if they don't hit me back after a week, I'll follow up. And if they don't hit me back after that, I'll kind of just pass. But even some people like like James, we did a Scotty on the Inside Music podcast over a Substream. Yeah. Sometimes he, it got emails got lost in the shuffle for a few weeks and we finally got them on. We we got uh, a premiere with them. We just had to work out the song. Um, same thing with Alternative Press. Like we were working out different things, and they wanted to do the full album stream, and we worked it out with them. Everyone's really busy, and I don't want to. I don't want to say that oh they're pushing me aside because we're just a smaller label, a smaller band. But it, you, you said that I have respect for people's time. You never know what's going to really happen, how how their work schedule works. Yeah. You also never want to, you know, if you're following up more than once, it's probably. Not that good. It's probably like over overkill. You know, when I'll listen to every demo a band sends me, I will email them back. Hey, I'm gonna check it out. If I like it, I'll hit you back, and they'll follow up. And if they follow up, I'll say I listen to it. Not my thing, or pass, or you know, something very polite. Or and I've actually found that one band I gave a, like a an app description of how I felt about the songs, and they posted that email online, and I will never tell a band just a detailed description of why I think a band should do ever again via email. Right. <laughs> That's, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but it's, it's just one of those, like a pass or fail class. If I'm interested, I'll, I'm going to ask what, you know, where a band is, what they're doing, try to get on the phone with somebody, see who they are as people, which is really important to me. You, it's, you're really just like a, a psychologist, a bank, a marketing person, uh, as, as a label guy, label person. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned emailing James and I know sometimes he's a person who kind of wants you to pester him about things because, you know, I think at least for me, when I'm emailing him or Jason Tate, it's like you sort of need to follow up with them more than once if you want to schedule something with them or whatnot, because, you know, there are two guys who get so many emails a day that, you know, if they keep seeing your name pop up, they'll keep being reminded of this thing. And, you know, eventually they will get back to you. And you mentioned, you know, it took a little time to get Scotty on the podcast. And, you know, on my other podcast, Welcome to Geekdom, I had James on for a complete Nicolas Cage episode and you know it's one of those things where they'll say they're interested but it's like you kind of have to give them an email here or there to schedule it so I would say it definitely depends on the person because some people will just straight up tell you yeah like you need to keep bugging me about this so I don't forget about it sort of thing and then you know you have some PR people who will email you probably like five times about the same song. I know sometimes, you know, I'll get a general press email from a company and then like the same day I'll have someone attaching like an individual message to the same press release they just sent me a few hours ago. And to me, it's like, 
that almost feels like they're just cluttering your inbox then. And it's not, you know, this isn't a thing that happens on a daily basis. It's typically with stuff, you know, they're really trying to push out. And I understand that. But it's like, you know, sometimes I feel like you should give people more than a few hours to get to something. Because even though, you know, I'm not as busy as, say, Jason Tate or James Shotwell, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, get to every single email I get right away, especially if I have, you know, a label thing I need to work on or PR for a client that I need to work on. And it's like, for me, as someone who doesn't get paid to run my website, it's like sometimes getting to every single email is just not a priority at the time. But with you as someone who is getting demos from bands and someone who is also doing PR, do you find sometimes it's a hard thing to balance? It's, I mean, I try to respond to everybody, but I'm never, I'm never, my inbox gets so full. I will listen when you, when someone sends an email, if I'm even at a bar or, or like if I'm just at freaking dinner, I'll still listen. Like I'll listen to, well, on the way home, I'm like, all right, let's, I'm a jam, you know, a minute, two minutes of the song, which usually can tell a lot about a band or a lot about a release in the first few minutes as far as uh, just recording wise, songwriting wise, just the singer. Um, I'll try to listen to it. I've listened to every demo ever sent to me. Have I responded to every single one? Probably not. Right. It, it's hard. It's hard to do that because you never know what type of uh, rabbit hole you're getting in a conversation with people or how many times they're going to follow up with you. And I, and I don't mind talking to people and talking to bands and watching them grow because someone might write a crappy EP in 2012 and then four years later, you know, they're a much better musician, much better songwriter, and they come up with this amazing thing. And, oh, no, I'm not going to work with that label because they told me my – songs in 2012 were crap right you know you, you never know i like to treat every piece of art with the respect i would like to be treated you know i always yeah. get that karma feeling where if i don't respond to this email then the next email i'm sending to rock sound magazine they're never gonna respond to me yeah and you know with you getting demos those are probably more personalized emails the majority of the time whereas you know i'm just getting these press releases that someone puts up in MailChimp or what have you. And, you know, like when you send stuff out, because you and I go back and forth on Facebook Messenger so much, it's like I don't have to reply to your email because I'll just go send you the link over there, <laughs> you know. So I think it definitely depends on who you're dealing with. And, you know, I'll I'll still get emails for genres that I don't cover because a PR agency will have a wide variety of genres that they cover. So a lot of emails I do get, it's like, I don't want to say they're instant deletes, but you know, I don't cover metal bands or metalcore bands. So if I see in the description that that's what the band is, you know, chances are that person's not going to get a reply from that. And you know, as someone who also sends out press releases and hardly gets any response, that's something that's understandable because I'm used to that from, you know, both sides of it. And you mentioned, you know, like a thousand people being sent out your email blast. When I have press releases sent out, it's like, you know, I'm only sending it to a very narrow, you know, 30 to 40 people. So I think something I need to do is sort of 
really do a lot of research for, you know, regional websites or what have you and kind of expand that just to give the bands more of an opportunity to, you know, make a name for them in other parts of the country or, you know, even if it's not quite what the band is looking for, really any press for these smaller bands can be a positive for them. And, you know, you mentioned setting up, you know, college radio station sessions and that sort of thing. And I think some bands just, it's like they want to hit these certain sites, even if they might be, you know, sort of unreasonable goals for the size of the band. And do you find it hard to sort of make these personal connections with a ton of these writers? Or do you find, you know, your email blast is still pretty effective, whether or not you have a personal relationship with every person? I always feel like an email blast is really a conversation starter, letting a, a lot of people know, hey, you know, there's a new song out or here's the official release of a new album. But before I even send that, uh, release the press blast out. I'm individually talking with writers and sending them an album, you know, two months in advance, three months in advance before we really premiere it. Right. But some writers are honest with me, you know, if a band's ready for alternative press or like a substream, then, then they're ready. It's like the writers let you know that but some writers are, if they really are floored by a song or floored by a band, they're really cool with premiering something before a band's really done too much, but that's yeah. that's hard to come by. And bands get really angry if they, you know, I can only ma- imagine if you know one band like with you know Fossil Youth in you know a bunch of magazines this month in print and in pr- premieres. Will I be able to do that for the next band that's coming out? Probably not, because that's going right. to be their first release with me, and that's going to be one of their first releases as a band. I hopefully they don't expect that. I will try hard, but I'm not going to get angry when we don't do a, you know, a full page spread in a magazine because that's not going to happen. Right. Well, I just have one more thing I want to cover with you before we go. What are your plans coming up? Is Fossil Youth your last release for this year? And what do you sort of have planned for 2017 that you can share with us? That I can share with you. Well, I signed one freaking amazing band it's kind of they remind me of super drag they're like alternative 90s but with a modern feel i'm debating whether to do a song before the first of the year and because the album's gonna come out in february um i'm looking at a couple full lengths in march and april along with some full lengths from some bands on the label later in the year there's a there's a bunch of stuff and also I get I guess I can say because I kind of signed the paperwork for we're in starting January first two thousand seventeen we're gonna be uh, distributed by ADA nice which is a really they do you know run for cover hopeless all the cool record labels that are really popular and then us which is funny to me at least. yeah so does that mean i can expect to see some of your releases when i hit amoeba in 2017 (laughs) yeah um all those stores will be available to get it uh internationally domestically they do all our stuff so if a band's touring i have the power well not the power but i i'll have the 
hopefully the influence to have stores like Newberry Comics and Amoeba and your typical mom and pop record stores pick them up. So it doesn't guarantee they're going to be in these stores. It's going to say if a band's working hard and we can, we can, you know, we're going to be pressing a lot more now because stores like Merch Now will probably have it and all these other stores will have items. It will to be available at more places, which is really the goal. I'm right. expanding the reach of the label and instead of pressing we're starting instead of pressing 500 vinyl we're pressing you know a thousand vinyl now which is crazy to me yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming on and giving us this little update on what you've been up to and what's coming next and for all of our listeners definitely go check out the new fossil youth record you can stream it over at alt press now and you can grab a copy either today or tomorrow once it's out but I highly, highly recommend this release. But yes, thanks again, Joe, for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. And to our listeners, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.